everyone. It's Lauren. I am a author. I'm a digital storyteller. I'm a comms manager. And I typically come to you from my home near Portland, Oregon. But today I'm actually in Colorado visiting my husband's family and meeting our baby niece for the first time. So I'm actually sitting in a rental car right now recording this. So bear with me as I figure out the audio and everything like that. So here we go. So each week I've been coming to you with what I'm calling a coffee talk, which is basically just a chance for us to catch up. So wherever you are in the world, I hope that I want it to feel like you have a friend right here in your pocket. And even though we may not know each other in person, I want you to feel like there's someone there for you when you need it. So that's kind of the goal of these coffee talks. Earlier on when I created this podcast, I told myself I didn't want it to be scripted. I wanted it to feel very real. I wanted it to have the ums and the ahs and the pauses and the awkward things that were real, you know, because so often everything is very edited and filtered and made to be perfect. And that's not what I really wanted because that's not, at least for me, that's not what life is. And I guess I've been a little hypocritical in a way because before each episode, I've been writing out what I wanted to say. And it started out as bullet points, but then it morphed into paragraphs. And then it felt like I was reading a script. And today I don't have that at all. I don't have a script. I'm just holding my phone. I'm recording on the voice memo app on my phone. And that's what I'm looking at. And I don't plan on pressing pause. I don't plan on stopping. I don't plan on even editing it other than adding music in between the, you know, different parts, the intro and the outro, etc. And I'm nervous. To be honest, I'm really nervous. I don't typically have these kinds of conversations. I mean, on the internet, much less on a podcast or anything, but this is a period of growth for me and I want to share that. And like I said, I want anyone who needs it to feel like they have a friend. So with that, I thought I would talk to you a little bit about something that's just been weighing on my mind a bit and we can see how it goes. So no script, no editing, no nothing. This is very me. If I were leaving you a voicemail right now, it would be exactly like this. I would be rambling and just telling you what's on my mind. So I hope that's your thing. If not, feel free to exit out and go listen to something else. And I'm just doing this as a fun learning experience for me and hopefully to help someone else feel um, connected, I guess. So one thing that's like I said, been weighing on my mind pretty heavily recently. And obviously, this is a, um, I should add a very big trigger warning here. So 
this month is Suicide Prevention Month. Um, this month is September for those who may be listening in the future. But September is Suicide Prevention Month and specifically Suicide Prevention Week, I believe it's called. I'm pretty sure it starts on September 5th, so September 5th to 12th, 2021. And I thought I would talk a little bit about that today because, like I said, it's been weighing on me. I haven't talked about it to anyone, not my husband, not my therapist, not anyone. And I think it's, this would be a good place to talk about it in a really unfiltered way. So major trigger warning here about suicide. So if that is triggering to any, to you in any way, shape or form, please pause. I, that is definitely not the kind of friendship I want us to have or connection I want us to have. So as I've been thinking about this, I guess I've been, I don't know, a little hesitant, like with so many things, I'm hesitant to put a label on it. Like I think about death often and I've thought about suicide often And I've never created a plan, but I think about it a lot. And I've often asked myself, like, does that make me suicidal? And it's the same thing right now. Another trigger warning here for rape. Um, For my second book, I've been, it's a book about, it's a memoir about all of these experiences that I've been going through, the healing and the whatnot that I need to let go of. And there's a bit about suicide and there's a bit about rape. And it's the same kind of situation for me where I've explained my thoughts and my feelings and experiences to someone and they've said, you know, I went through this experience in high school, which is like, it's just part of me. I don't necessarily regretted. I don't think one way or another, I'm kind of indifferent at this point, which was many years ago. And it took me a long, long time just to tell someone about it. And after I did, I also opened up to a trusted friend and she said, you know, that that kind of sounds like rape. And in my head, it wasn't. But I didn't know, like, is there a definition for that? Is that a thing? Did that happen to me? And that's kind of the same way I feel about this topic about suicide, where suicidal ideation, there's two different kinds. There's, um, and I'm not a doctor or therapist, so this is all just what I've learned and from my conversations and research and experiences. But there are two my understanding is that there are two different kinds of suicide. So there's like the passive suicidal ideation, which is, you know, where you think about it and you don't have a plan, but it's these thoughts of harming yourself. And then there's the active where you have a plan, you want to carry it out. Maybe you attempt to carry it out or you successfully carry it out. And I've struggled with the first one, the passive, and I think about it a lot more than I would like to admit, I guess. And 
The thing is, I've never really wanted to brand myself as someone who struggles with suicidal ideation or suicidal thoughts because it's, I think, and same thing with the rape conversation, it's, I think there's such a stigma around those two things. And it's like, if I say that I experience suicidal thoughts, does that make me look and feel weak or like I can't be trusted or I'm unstable, unstable. I don't know what that word is, but, um, you know, I've thought of all of these things over the years, so I've never really shared it with anyone. And the truth is I'm, I feel whether it's considered suicidal thoughts or not, I want to talk about it, especially this month for suicide prevention. So I know that was a long-winded intro, and like I said, this isn't um, scripted or anything. This is just, I'm sitting here staring at a plant and talking out loud, so this is what you get. Um, So for me, I guess, I've had a few, like, very extreme experiences, one of which I alluded to in my first book, and I'll explain a little more cohesively, I guess, in my second book. But right now I can tell you about it. And this was the first, like I said, I've I've thought about dying. And I think about it often in terms of I know there are different ways I could hurt myself or kill myself or whatever that may look like. And I know all the different ways I've thought about different ways I could do it. I've never actively done it or attempted it. But um, so that's been an ongoing conversation in my head for many years and just recently, a therapist did confirm that that is considered suicidal thoughts, which made me a little uncomfortable, but it was nice to, I don't know, confirm it in a way. But a few months ago, I had a very, like, usually it's in passing, like, to, to be really realistic about it. I, when I'm driving in a car, for example, and we're on a one-way road, I've thought about like, well, maybe I could just swerve into oncoming traffic. I, I couldn't do it. Knowing me, I couldn't do it. I care too much about other people. So I think about it, but I don't act on it. Same thing with like, I'll go over train tracks and I'll be like, I could just park and go sit in front of the train sit on the train tracks and wait. Like, again, I don't think I could do that because one, I would hurt my loved ones. I would, I imagine, like, I have these tendencies when I'm in a really depressive state and I'm like, no one cares, no one loves me. But then I think about, like, my husband married me because he loves me. My parents love me. My brother calls me because he loves me. I have friends who text me because they love me. And that's how I remember these things. 
But still, when you're in a depressive state, I think it's hard to justify that. Like, you have to try really, really hard to remember those things. And um, I forget where I'm going with this. Well, anyway, so I think where I was going with that is that so those kinds of thoughts happen to me all the time. I've had them for many years. It's been a practice to notice that they're there and just acknowledge them and move on. Um, A few months ago, though, which this is the situation that I alluded to or spoke about in my first book, is I was extremely burnt out. Like, I can't even explain to you how burnt out I was at work and just in life. And I had taken on so many things and had been saying yes to everything, and I just couldn't anymore. And at the time, I wasn't sleeping, so I was getting about three hours of sleep if it were a good night, and maybe four if I was, like, really lucky. But this was... Sorry, there's a family passing walking right past our car, so you might hear some background noise right now, but again, real life. Um, So at the time, I was getting maybe four hours of sleep if it were a really great night, and I this had been going on for, I think, seven or eight weeks, and honestly, I typically get eight to nine hours of sleep. So I'm on what, 40 some days, 42 days of no sleep. I'm burnt out. I'm exhausted. And I got to the point where I just could not handle it anymore. And one night I, well, I kind of had this like breakdown at work and it's not like a boss. It's kind of like a client who I work with. I support executives. So one of the executives that I support was like, okay, you need to take time off. You're clearly burnt out right now. So I took the next couple days off and I don't think I had really taken a day off in forever. And I went to the couch and I was just chilling. I was thinking and just trying to let go a little bit. And that night I was so tired, but it was like not the physical tired, you know, like I could, I would lay down and I couldn't fall asleep, which that was the same thing for weeks on end. So I wrote a haiku and I hadn't written a haiku. That's like the poem, you know, when you are growing up and it's like you write five syllables on one line, then seven syllables on the second line, and then five syllables on the third line. And it creates a poem. And I used to do this growing up for fun with my mom and my brother. And for some reason that popped into my head and I wrote a haiku and I was desperate for sleep. And I, I may have read about this on the wrote about this on the podcast already. So if you're hearing this, sorry, or if you're hearing this for the second time, sorry, but I think it adds a lot of context to, I don't, I've never really spoken about it in just an open way 
to anyone before. So this is, I think, a way of healing for me um, more than anything else. But so I wrote a haiku and I sent it to my mom and it was all about how desperate for sleep I am and just like my body, I need sleep. And my mom responded and she did her own and I was like, this is really fun. It's kind of bringing me back to childhood. So I went and I got my three hours of sleep that night and I woke up and it was like one or two in the morning and I came back down to the couch, which is what I always did. I, you know, tried to do my tea and reading and whatever I was doing at that point to try to get some sleep and nothing was working. So I was like, well, I'm feeling inspired to write another haiku and I just kept writing until I felt like, I don't know. So I wrote one haiku of something that was on my mind. And then I wrote, I asked myself, okay, what am I thinking about now? How, how am I feeling? And I wrote another haiku and then another haiku and then another haiku. And at one point I didn't filter anything. I wrote exactly what was on my mind and I wrote the words that came into my head as I went. And eventually, maybe four or so hours later, I had a a list of haiku. And I counted and I was like, oh, wow, I've written 50. And it was just I was sitting there with my notes app of my phone open. And I didn't read them back at the time. I just copied and pasted them into an email and I sent them to my mom. And I was like, guess what? I wrote a book. And she responded, and all of this is documented in insomnia, but um, she responded and was like, you know, this is kind of a sad story. Like, when I read these, I feel sad. Like, I can see a part of you, and you're you're obviously struggling. And um, so then I really... I kind of let it go. Like at that point I was just joking, but I was so tired. And I remember I was sitting on the couch and downstairs. So we have like a main living area downstairs and then upstairs are our bedrooms. And so I did all of this. I was sitting on the couch downstairs and I suddenly got so tired. Like I have never felt this level of exhaustion in my whole life. Like it wasn't like the exhaustion I had been feeling for the last, I don't know, seven weeks or however long it had been. It was this, oh my God, I can't live anymore type of exhaustion. And I went, I was laying down at the time and I went to co close my eyes and I was like, it's too bright in here. At this point, the sun was rising. So I made my way upstairs to our guest bedroom. I didn't want to wake my husband. And also our guest bedroom tends to be the darkest room in the house or where you can lay down. Um, actually, maybe the whole house. Anyway. Um, we have blinds that in there that really keep out the light and it's on the other side. I don't know, like the sun's not rising. So it's pretty dark in there. And I went and laid down in our guest bed and I went to sleep. And a couple hours later, 
I don't even know how long it would have been. I'm saying a couple hours just to quantify it. But a while later, I tried to wake up and I had this conversation in my head that was like, you know what? I'm so tired. I just, I want to sleep forever. I literally, I don't want to wake up. I can't do this anymore. And I thought about how, I thought about a lot of things. And at first I thought about other people who had taken their own life. And I thought, you know what, maybe they're not feeling this level of exhaustion. Maybe I could be on their level. Maybe if I just find a way to sleep forever, that I could do that too. And then I went back to sleep and I was like, yes, I'm going to do it. I just need to sleep a little bit first. And I woke up a little while later and I had the same conversation in my head, starting to think about like how literally how could I do this? You know, I have pills. I could t drink alcohol. I don't drink alcohol, but I could drink myself to sleep. I could take a handful of sleeping pills, which I had. I had prescription sleeping pills that I was taking at the time. And I thought of all of these different ways I could do it, but my eyes wouldn't open. So this was all a conversation in my head. Like I was trying to open my eyes and they literally wouldn't open. So again, I was like, okay, I'm just tired. I need to go back to sleep really quick just so I can get enough energy to open my eyes to do it. And I went back to sleep and then I had the same conversation again. Okay, if I open my eyes, I can get to these pills. I can get to the alcohol. I can get to whatever. And then I started thinking about my husband and about my friends and about my family. And then I started thinking about um, this girl, Lee. Some of you have seen me, heard me mention her if you've listened to the podcast or seen my Instagram or whatever. But Lee is or was a um, YouTuber, Instagram travel blogger. I don't know what you want to call it. But she traveled around and she documented it on social media. And sadly, she had taken her own life maybe... I don't know, six or eight weeks before this. And it happened to coincide, her death coincided with my lowest point. So when I saw the news about her death, I was pulled into this like super, 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 super low depression. Probably the biggest um, phase, funk. I don't know, whatever you want to call it, that I had ever been in. And what really helped me through was her community. So people had started using the Speak Up For Lee hashtag, and they were talking about how in the wake of Lee's death, she committed suicide, um, but in the wake of her death, they were reaching out to people and they wanted to encourage others to reach out as well. And 
I read thousands of comments of people on Lee's videos and channels and whatnot that were feeling sad and grieving and who were reaching out for help. And they were struggling and they were saying, you know what, I'm struggling and that's okay. If you're struggling, you're not alone. And when I was in the midst of this feeling, these like kind of like I was awake, but I wasn't awake and I was thinking and I was lost in these moments of what am I going to do and how am I going to do it and how am I possibly going to sleep forever because that's what I really want is I just want to be done. I'm too exhausted. I thought about my family, like I said. I thought about my husband and my dog and my parents and my brother and my friends. But what really, really brought me out of it, which I'm strugg- which I've struggled to admit kind of until now, is thinking about Lee and that community. And I don't know if I have that type of community, the hundreds of thousands of people who would stand up and be sad that I were was gone or but I wondered maybe I could be that friend to someone like Lee and her community had been to me like what if I got through this point and I could help save someone else would that be worth it for me not to take the pills or not to do whatever I was about to land on. And so I, I mean, I went after this whole, this is like a conversation that's happening in my head and I was exhausted after each convert mini conversation, I would be fully exhausted. So I fell back asleep again. So this is like, I don't know the fourth time or whatever. And then I, w- I told myself as I fall as I'm falling back asleep, I'm like, I have to wake up. Like if I'm gonna do this, I have to commit to it, and I have to wake up, and I have to open my eyes because I hadn't been able to open my eyes until then. And I convinced myself that, okay, when I open my eyes. I have to stand up and I have to walk downstairs and I have to see my husband. Like that's step one. I mean, that's a lot of steps, but that's the first phase. And so I did it. I had this conversation in my head and I was like, okay, I'm going to open my eyes. And it didn't work. And then I said, no, now really I'm going to open my eyes. And it took me a really, like it was like what's that word her it's like hercules like herculean effort but i did it i opened my eyes and then i was like okay while i'm like have the surge i'm gonna move my feet onto the ground and then i stood up and it was like i can't even explain to you how hard it was to stand up because every time i did one of these like actions I was like, okay, I'm too exhausted. I'm going to go back to sleep. And the bed was right there. Like, it was so easy. I could just go back to sleep and I could think about ending it and just getting over it and being done and not being exhausted anymore. 
but I was just like, okay, I have to get to my husband. Like, that's all I have to do. Like, that's it. So by this point, I'm standing up and then I take like step after step after step just to get like, I'm laughing now because it seems kind of ridiculous. But the reason I want to share this story is because I don't know if this is like a big thing or not. I don't, I genuinely don't know if other people go through these kinds of things because we don't talk about it. I have never had a conversation like this with someone and I wish I did. Because then maybe I wouldn't have felt so alone in this moment when every single step, literally, I would be have to be like, okay, take my right leg and put it in front of my left leg and then take my left leg and step in front of my right leg. And then when I got to the stairs, it was like, hold on to the banister one step at a time. And it was a huge effort just to get downstairs. Like, it felt like a workout by the time I got down there. And I don't know if that's normal. I don't know if this is considered suicide. I don't know if this is considered, like, ideation, suicidal thoughts, or whatever. But to me, I'm happy to share this story. I mean, happy is a whatever, loose word. But I'm willing to share my story in case other people have been through it too, because I sure as hell felt alone. I had never had a conversation about what to do if you felt that way. I didn't know if it was normal to feel that way. I've, I felt ashamed to feel that way, so much so that I didn't even mention it to my husband when I came downstairs. I didn't mention it to anyone. And... I was lost in my own head throughout this whole time. And it was so much more real to me than those moments where I would be driving down the street and thinking, well, what if I, what if I park and go into the middle of nowhere? What if I swerve into the oncoming traffic? What if I jump? What if I do this? This time... It felt so real to me, like I could actually make it happen, and I don't know if I would be sad. And I guess it's just, I felt so alone, but in that moment, that community, Lee's Speak Up for Lee community, that's what got me through that moment. I would love to say that it was my husband and my family and all of these people who love me, but those were the people who I was questioning their love of, whether they loved me enough. And I hate to say that because I know now when I'm in a healthier mindset that they do, they really do love me. But in that moment, I didn't know any better. And thinking about this online community, even though I had never met these people before, I had never met Lee, I had never really connected with these people before. Those were the ones that brought me out of it that said, you know what, you really aren't alone. I'm struggling. And if you're struggling too, that's okay. And I had never, ever, ever, ever heard that before. 
I grew up being like, you have to be strong. You have, you can't show your emotions. I grew up in, um, my, I grew up in the arm, like my dad was in the army and taught us kind of, he trained us like we were in the army basically. So I grew up with a lot of those principles and I never really showed my emotion. I never explained what was on my heart or how I was feeling. And I think that's part of the reason I felt like I could hide this from my family. And I think we can probably, this is becoming a lot longer than I expected it would, but maybe we can get into that in another episode. But I just, if you've ever gone through that or you are going through that, I just... I care. And whether I know you or not, if I were to see your story, if I were to see a news article about you, a share that said someone had hurt themselves, I would take that and I would grieve. I can almost guarantee you. And it would be devastating, I'm sure, for any of your family or your friends your in life connect your in real life connections in person connections and i'm just people talk so negatively about the internet and i've had such crappy experiences on the internet but there's a lot of good that can come out of it too and i hope that this can be a good thing so i guess that's really just I know I've talked about this story here and there before but in honor of suicide prevention week and month I thought I would give a longer realistic not realistic because it is real but I thought I would open up a bit more about it in a totally unscripted unfiltered way so thank you for listening if you ever forget it like i I promise you are not alone and I am here for you and I see you and I feel you and I'm not just saying that. If you ever need support, please just, well, one, reach out, ask for help. When I did open up to my loved ones, it was terrifying, but they have all so stepped up and they, they've encouraged me to get help and get therapy, and just do some reading, and I did. I relied on them for a long time, but now I'm at a place where I can do healing myself, and I would just say, if you're in a place, talk to someone about it, and if you feel like you don't have anyone, there are hotlines that you can call. I've never personally used one, but I've heard... um, that they offer a lot of good support. There, make an appointment with a therapist if you're able to, which I know I wasn't able to find to get in contact with the therapist for maybe like six weeks after this experience. So I know that's difficult too. But if you ever need an anonymous friend or just want to talk to someone, like I said, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a doctor or anything by any means, but I can be a friend So feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. Um, I'm here for you. 
and my Instagram is at Lauren Bartleson underscore. I'll put that in the show notes, but please don't hesitate to reach out, even if it's to someone who you've never met before, at least in my experience, just knowing there are other people who are going through what you're going through, whether you reach out or not, just thinking about them and knowing that they're out there could save your life the same way they saved mine. So please take care of yourself. I am here for you. I see you. I feel you. So yeah, thank you for listening. I know this was kind of a hard session to listen to, but that's kind of what I want these to be. I I felt like they were a little fake in a way. Like, I just want to sit down and tell you what's on my mind, and I want to be a friend, like I said. And that's the kind of conversations that I want to have with my friends that I I don't have them right now and I wish I could. So I guess I'm using this podcast as a way for to help me heal, but I also in a way hope it helps you feel connected, like I said earlier. So I'm coming to you every weekend. I really enjoyed this conversation and I'll this is probably the format I'll use moving me oh my gosh, moving forward, but where I just take out my phone, hit record and see what I want to talk about that day. And none of this, literally, I didn't have bullet bullet points. I had no idea what I was going to talk about, just showed up and maybe it's just me, but I feel like it's really real. So I am coming to you every weekend from hopefully back in Portland. I'm with everything going on with COVID. I'm really ready to just, uh, isolate again and stay home. So Yeah. With that, I will wish you a happy week ahead. And I really, again, take care of yourself. And I'm here for you. I see you. I feel you. And I care about you. So have a good weekend. If you need to anyone to talk to or you want to follow along, you can find me on Instagram at Lauren Bartleson underscore. And yeah, just want to end this with it's okay not to be okay. And it's okay to have these feelings. And it's okay to be unsure. I, I can't tell you if that's normal for everyone, but that's normal for me. So I hope this made you feel a little more connected and comfortable. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.